0: the joy of the world. And uh, you've heard that, that, that term, uh, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. It's, it's in the Christmas story. And we're in the Christmas time. And I realize that for some, Christmas time is just a great time of joy and fun and family. And then for other people, it's not such a great time tragedy may have struck at this time of the year. Maybe there are memories, or maybe like some of you, uh, you get together with your family on Christmas and it turns out to be a problem. (laughs) What's the deal, man? Hey, let me give you a hint. When you go to your families on Christmas or Thanksgiving, just make a pact with your family in the car that everything's gonna be perfect. And then go there and uh, shut up. (laughs) You got that? Just shut up and it'll be all right. You know what I mean? It's just a day, you can take it. Just take it, man, just take it, okay? So the joy of the world. And uh, so Jesus was born in a manger, in a feeding trough, in a cave in Bethlehem. And there were shepherds uh, in a field not far away and they are watching the sheep. How boring, watching sheep. Nothing exciting about watching sheep on the mountainside. You know what I mean? Been laying there, you know, Rabin and his two cousins watching Paul's sheep. Been watching the sheep for hours and hours. But then all of a sudden something happened. And the Bible records it in the book of Luke chapter two, verse 10. And an angel showed up to them, guys. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you lay it on the side of a hill watching some nasty old sheep, And I don't know what sheep do in the middle of the night. I don't know. Maybe they sleep. I don't know. Probably eat. They eat all the time. But but all of a sudden, this angel showed up. And I'll tell you what, they were startled. They were afraid. I would be, you would be. Most times in the Bible, when people see angels in their true form, they fall down like dead men. They're afraid. They're full of fear. And so were these men. And so they're all messed up. And the angel comes and says, hey, look, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Now that word joy there, means cheerfulness. And I want you to remember the meaning of that word clear through this message today, which will be to all people. He said, there's some joy here. There's gonna to be to all people, some great joy. And so, you know, I, I believe that, you know, this coming year, because 2016 is done. If you hadn't done it yet, and you're probably not gonna get it done in 2016. Don't try to cram it all in, you know, just put it off and start fresh and new in January. But I believe that all of you want a, a good 2017. I believe you want, you want to say, hey, you know what? I believe it's gonna be good. But right now you may say, I'm not in a good place. I'm not in a good time. It's not a good season for me. And you know what? Seasons come and seasons go. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us, you know, there's a time for all kinds of things. Time to be born, a time to die, a time to have peace, a time to war, a time to tear some things out, a time to build some other things up. And if you live long enough, you'll probably go through every one of those seasons that you find in the book of Ecclesiastes. And there's really no way to stop it, actually, real and truly. Some things are just going to go on. And so whether you're on the hilltop or in the valley or you're somewhere in between, there can be joy. I believe this, I believe that no matter what season I'm in, especially when I'm in a negative season, I, I do not believe that negates the fact that Jesus taught us that we could have joy. See, so many times we, we, we almost make God how we feel. And boy, that, that's just pitiful. I mean, God's like this schizophrenic Frankenstein monstrosity that, you know, one day he's happy, happy. The next day, man, he ain't happy at all. So we, 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 we're gonna look at this thing of joy and Jesus gives account several times as he speaks about this and in John chapter 15, verse nine. He's teaching his disciples and uh, those around him and he's just loving on them. And, and he says this, he says, as the father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my father's love or abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandment and abide in his love. That word abide means simply just live in his love. He said, these things I've spoken to you that you, that my joy, now, now watch this, that my joy, he's talking about is that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. So he's connecting his joy with our joy. And he's saying, if you'll remain in my joy, then your joy is gonna be taken care of. What happens is that so many times we try to remain in our own joy. It's like, I, you know, my joy, I make up my little world of joy joy to my world, you know what I'm talking about? And, and when it's good, it's good, but when it's bad, it's bad. And so joy comes and joy goes. And then in John chapter 16, verse 33, I love this verse, such a great promise, just wonderful promise. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you that in me you, in me you might have peace, me and you together, you know, this abiding thing, we're together. But watch this, in the world, you will have tribulation. Or you will have pressure. Say pressure. No, I'm going say it with some, some pressure. P R E S S A. Pressure. You're going to have pressure in this world. You can't get away from it. Some of you keep hiding, trying, running. You can't know it. You're not going to confess it away. You're going to have trouble in this world. He said, but be of good cheer. Oh, wow. Be cheerful because I've overcome the world. Really, what he's saying is, folks, cheer up. Cheer up now. You might be in a certain season that's negative, but cheer up, it's gonna come to pass. There's a new season coming, don't you worry about it, but cheer up. And that's what we need to be worrying about. We need to be worrying about cheering up. You say, well, how can worry and cheer go together. Well, I mean, you have to be concerned about it. You have to focus in on cheering up rather than being depressed. It's like a ball game, you know, some of you are gonna watch ball games this afternoon. And some of you are watching live stream and watching the ball game at the same time, hello. It's cool, it's all right, it's good. It's good, everything's good. But uh, in the first half, you know, it's, it's two halves in a ball game, there's a halftime in between. And, and we, we, if we looked at the life of Jesus as a, as a football game, the first half, I tell you what was tough, man. The end of the first half, now Jesus did good in the first quarter, things going good, overcoming the devil, come on, preaching the gospel, raising people from the dead. But that second quarter got a little hairy and all of a sudden Jesus is hanging on a cross and he's dead. And then he's in a tomb. We just sang about it, man. But then halftime. Now halftime lasts about 30 minutes or so around here, but, but here it was three days long this halftime. And him and the father evidently getting a second half plan. And the second half plan came and guess what? Bam, 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 score, score, score. Resurrection, bam, bam, fourth quarter, ascension, pow. We won the game, folks. Do you understand that we've already won? Do you understand that? I know it gets tough for some of you sometimes, but we've already won. The game is already won. You see, the church is a great place. The Bible says where the presence of the Lord is, there's freedom. I mean, look, all through the scriptures, where the presence of God is, there's freedom. So we need to get in the presence of God. Church is supposed to be a good thing. You know, church should equal cheering up. Church should be a happy place. Kids love church. Wednesday night, I was in the front lobby and two two-year-olds were headed towards their, their nursery room and their moms were kind of trailing behind. And one of them, she, I mean, she is, she's, got a, she's on a mission and she's just going, she, finally she, and she says, come on, come on. You know what I mean? Come on, mama. I know I drove you crazy all day, but come on. They were excited. They were happy they were full of joy They're going to a place that they love. And so church is a place I think where we can get cheered up. Come on now. I just believe that it's a great place to be cheered up. I believe that church should equal cheered up and family should, there should be joy in the family. There should be joy in the family. I know some families are all messed up, but there should be joy. You young parents who got young kids, I'm telling you, it's possible against all odds. And what everybody says, it's possible to have a happy home. Did you hear what I said? It's possible. Don't let people tell you differently. Have a happy home. Come on now. (laughs) Have a happy home. You know, joy. There's two kinds of joys. One is event-based joy. Now, event-based joy is sort of like this. I have an event, so while the event's going on, I am happy, full of joy. But then when the event ends, I'm back to my old self. That's why we have a holiday every month of the year now in America, and we're shooting for two every month. And eventually what we wanna do, we wanna try to get to like Greece and Rome. We wanna just have holidays all the time. We wanna just eat cheese and drink wine all day long. The economy fell apart. I don't have a job. I'm dying of all, kinds. but we are having fun. The food's good and the wine is great. We just love these holidays and we we jump from one to another and then this birthday sprinkled all in between. And, you know, I, but I, I, I believe in holidays. I think I love December because it's a time, you know, for us as church, you know, we, we kind of just, it, it's wonderful. A lot of people taking time off during December and it's a time of, of different activities and parties and, you know, you just get to be with friends and family and and it breaks the monotony of everyday life. Come on now. So, So events are great, but if your joy is based in an event, then when the event ends, you go right back to a joyless life. I wrote this down. I said, true joy is discovering that there is someone else that can give joy in the midst of trouble. And joy is defined as the very positive confidence that we can possess, knowing and trusting Jesus, regardless of our circumstances. It's like true joy. See, because circumstances happen, but circumstances should not rule us. Because sometimes they're joy jammers. Say that with me, joy jammers. They jam up our joy. They're like obstacles. they like hem us in. And I just want to give you a few of them. I mean, I've been through probably all of these and probably most of you have also. You know, fear is a joy jammer, jams you up, man. Fear, it just walls you up. It just builds walls. It keeps you from having a good life. It keeps you from experiencing everything that God has for you. It just keeps you, your fear. You're afraid of this, afraid of that. Afraid of people, afraid of this, afraid to do that, afraid to move out, afraid to move back. You just kind of get stagnated. Kind of builds a little wall around you and you're all there, just stuck in time. Fear is that way. And then selfishness is another joy jammer. Man, the more I learn about selfishness, the more I realize that, man, it will jam you up real good. It's just amazing because it makes me take and keep so that I lose rather than give away so that I gain. You know, it just, it's, it's amazing to be so selfish, you know, and it's everywhere. But I, I, I just think that it's a joy jam. We need to get it out of the way. I, I think that, you know, bitterness is another. Well, we talked about that Wednesday night. Man, if you wasn't here, what a great time Wednesday night was. It's was just so wonderful. We just talked about the heart, the inside of a person. And we just talked about, you know, forgiving people, cutting loose on things and letting them things go. And bitterness will just hold you down, unforgiveness. Uh, what if I told you that every one of you in this room... At least one time, probably multiple times in your life, are going to be hurt by another person. Would you believe me? And boy, you like that when I say that. You're like, oh man, you're right, Pastor. Preach it on. They just hurt me all the time. (laughs) But how about this? If you live long enough, also, you'll probably hurt a lot of people. Sometimes you'll do it on purpose. Sometimes you'll do it by accident. Sometimes you'll know about it, and sometimes you'll just go years and years. I've gone years sometimes, and then I receive a letter, like fifteen years, saying, uh, "I just want to let you know that the Lord has given me grace to forgive you for all you did to me." And I, I don't even remember the person that wrote the letter, much less what I did to them. So sometimes, you know, you, but but you know, I'm sure that I've hurt some people. Yeah but I can't live in that. You know, the fourth thing is sin and guilt. Now sin, will just, it'll just steal your joy, come on now. You know, if you just sin knowingly, if you just sin, you know, especially you church folk, if you, you Christians, if you just sinning, you ain't got no joy. It's impossible to have joy when you sinning, man. You're gonna be mean when you're sinning. Sinning makes us mean, you know, that guilt hanging on us all the time. And then the, the fifth is isolation. Man, isolation will just eat your lunch. It'll just steal all your joy. The, the thing about isolation is, is that it keeps you away. Did you know that they did a study and they show that people who are around groups of people are 10 times more likely to be positive when negative circumstances come into their life? 10 times more positive. 10 times if you're around people. That's why we love small groups. And you know, you know there, there are small groups in our church. We've been a small group church for a long time, but watch this. Um, What I love to see is on Facebook when I see people who are in a small group, but yet outside of the small group meeting, they're doing things together. And then I know lives of people in the church. And I know, you see, I see that woman right there. She's with that group. She's going through a major trial, but she's got a group of people around her And they're doing something fun. It didn't take the place of the trial. It's there. But at least they're helping her cope with it and helping her get victory over it. See, that's why you can't isolate yourself. Everybody needs at least one good friend. Paul, the apostle, had a good friend named Silas. Paul and Silas. They went to a little city one time. They're preaching the gospel. I mean, they own the glory train. You know what I mean? They got the blessing of the Lord. They're anointed, you hear me, to preach this gospel. And they're going. They go into this city called Philippi. Man, it's a great day. They walk up in there and look, hey, Silas, we're going to preach the gospel today, dude. These people don't know nothing. Bunch of heathens. Here we go. Get ready. I'm going to unleash my best one on them. You back me up, dude. We're going to tag team this thing. And bam, we're going to bring the gospel. They all going to get saved. It's going to be great. By midnight, they were beat up, and they were in chains in the middle of the jail in Philippi. I mean, they, look, and not a jail like ours yet. There weren't no tile floors there, no bathrooms. They didn't get a bologna sandwich and Jello for lunch. You know what I'm talking about? They in a jail, and it's bad, and they're beat up. No first aid, no civil rights, nothing like that. You understand me? No human rights. They're in the jail and they are beat up, and they are hurting, and they're in pain. And finally, Paul looks over at Silas. It's almost took this long. You know, it's midnight, and Paul says, Silas, something got to come down, bro. This ain't right. He said, give me a beat. Give me a beat, Silas. So I just see Silas just like, And look, he just started this beat going, man. And all of a sudden, I don't know what song they started singing. Maybe, maybe they wrote that song. Paul and Silas locked in a Roman jail, ain't had nobody to pay their bail. I'm not sure what it was they were singing, but they started singing this song and, and they got this beat going, man. You know, and all of a sudden God gets into it. And look, God starts then, And then the angels, they all got their robes on, you know, man, they just, they get, it's like a Holy Ghost choir. And all of a sudden, man, it got so intense. An earthquake takes place. The doors fly open. The chains fly off. Woo! They're just praising God. And all of a sudden, God got so excited. I'm going to tell you, God gets excited. I'm going to show you in a little bit. God gets excited when you worship him. You know, in 1993, we started a school here and we had to build these desks. Some of you graduated from that school, N-C-A, (laughs) N-C-A. And and we worked tirelessly. I mean, sometime till three o'clock in the morning getting these things, the equipment was very heavy, the materials very heavy. Make a long story short, I really messed my back up very bad. And uh, I was on the living room floor one one night, uh, in pain, and, and the doctor told me, she he said, you know what, you can take six ibuprofens at a time, dude, you're in bad shape. So I was reaching over on the coffee table to, to get those, and all of a sudden, the pain like amped up about, I'm telling you, like out of, out of sight, just until I was just screaming, laying on the living room floor, hollering. I mean, look, hey, pain is an equalizer. We think we're big, big dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah screaming. All the kids come out the bedroom. Jim come out the bedroom. They tried to lay hands on me. They touched me. It was like like fire burning me up. I mean, the pain was so intense. Well, they called an ambulance, hauled me in the back. You know, thank God for ambulance for uh, those guys. I was holding on to that dude. I was hurting, dude. Let me tell you something, crying, hurting. They bring me to the hospital. They put me in the hospital. Uh, I don't know what all they did. They gave me some good medicine. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you are screaming and a hollering, you, you, you forget everything. Just give me some of that good dope. I don't know what it is. Just shoot me up. Give me some help. So they did. And, uh, and I'm, I'm all underneath this, this medicine. I don't know. But make a long story short, man, they, 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 I signed some papers. And they came in the next morning. And, and they said, well, we've got you scheduled for surgery tomorrow morning at 730. I said, what surgery? And when I said that, that woman with that clipboard, she turned around and she ran out the room. I didn't know what surgery And so that night I'm laying in the bed and I mean, you know, I'm, I messed up, man. They brought in the x-rays, guy in the church brought in the x-rays. He worked there. He showed me, said, brother Van, he said, you're in bad shape. He said, you've got two discs that have really just disintegrated, exploded. And you've got fragments all up in your spinal column. And I I didn't, I don't know much about medicine, but when I looked at the picture, I said, that that don't look good. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I'm laying in this bed And all these things going through your mind, you know, the doctor come in and said, if you don't have surgery, you're gonna have this, you're gonna have that, you're gonna lose it. So I'm laying in the bed and all of a sudden, I think this is what Paul and Silas had in that jail. All of a sudden I realized, wait, wait a second, wait a second here. And I just begin to worship out loud. Door was open. I don't know what I was singing. I'm not sure, it didn't matter. It's not about the song, it's about what's going on. And I began to just worship God loudly. And the Lord spoke to me he said, call your wife and tell her to come get you. And so uh, I called Jan. I said, Jan, Lord just spoke to me. He said, come get me out of here. And and the nurse came in. I said, I'm going to be going now. (laughs) Now, Jessica, you're a nurse. You know what happens when a patient says that they're either crazy, delirious, something, the drug done backfired on them or something. And of course, they said, I couldn't get out and they want to call the doctor. I said, I'm, I'm getting out. I don't know my wife's on the way. So Jan came here and she got the, the mattresses off of the nursery beds, you know, the little infant beds, put in the back of our station wagon and, and came to the hospital and, and rolled me out of that place. And she just rolled me in the back of that station wagon and uh, praising God the whole way. I mean, obedience to the Lord. And that was in 1993. You know, that was a long time ago. No surgery, no nothing. Here I am. Come on. God is good. God is great. And God inhabits the praises of his people. He does. Now, I don't know where those fragments are that were floating around in my spinal column. I don't know what. I don't know all about that. And I'm, by the way, I'm not a fool. I'm not going to do crazy things with my back. But you know what? God is good, and he's in the midst of us. He inhabits the praises of his people because in the presence of the Lord, there's peace, there's healing, and there's joy. Now, let me read out of Zephaniah. That's a minor prophet in the Old Testament before Jesus came. And this is what he said in the third chapter. The Lord thy God. I'm going old school King James version on you this morning. Some of you are just hallelujah. Finally, we get back to the real Bible. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice. You know what that word rejoice means? You'll be cheerful. Cheerfulness with joy, that means glee or festiveness. This is the Lord. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. The word joy there, you know what it means? I love it. It means he's going to spin around and around in joy. Now, I know some of you don't picture your God this way, but every time we worship, I see him. I had a vision many years ago, Jesus just in this wonderful liquid silver gown worshiping. I still see it. I saw it this morning. I just see it, you know, and he's spinning around. And, and, and the word right there that says singing, <laughs> it's, it means a shrill shout. So let me tell you what God does when you worship him. (laughs) He spins around and he screams. I mean, you think you, God's so dignified. I don't know what dignified means, but I know this. The Lord evidently in that hospital room, he was spinning around and screaming loud, come on. I don't know about, but in the Philippian jail when Paul and Silas started, I think the Lord stood up and began to spin around, come on now, shouting great shouts of victory. I just believe that. Work with me in my folly if you don't mind it. I just believe that. That's what I believe. That's why I don't need words on the wall. And if I don't know all the words or the song or the tempo's not just like I like it, or the lights are too low or too bright or whatever, or what's happening, just close your eyes and just see the Lord spinning, spinning and shouting over you with joy. I think God loves us. He loves us a lot. It makes joy. I like James chapter one, verse two, consider it pure joy, cheerfulness. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, and then Romans chapter 14, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not event oriented, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Real joy is found in communion with the Holy Spirit. Everybody got all mad and sad and you're know, all messed up about the Holy Spirit. Act like he's some kind of ghost or something. Like you think ghost, but no, he's the breath of God. We just, I mean, you know. We just got led in that, about the breath of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord. And, and then Psalm chapter 100, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. And Jesus is our example in Hebrews chapter two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, the cheerfulness that was set before him endured the cross. Joy allows you to endure. It's joy that allows you to endure, not your strength, not your knowledge, not your ability, but joy helped Jesus endure the cross, despising the shame. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But when you worship him, he stands up and he spins around and he, it's just wonderful. That's Jesus, our example. So can I give you some ways to be in joy? to enjoy your life in the coming year. Just some ways, you know what I'm talking about. Takes a little effort, I know, but it's all right. I think number one, I think you gotta admit if you've lost your joy. Won't you just admit it if you lost your joy? Some of you never had joy. Some of you, you let your personality squelch out the joy. You say, well, I'm a subdued individual. Look. Some people get battle fatigue. Some people just got bored. Some of you just are bored with Christianity. You know what I'm talking about? It's time for a victory. It's time to win. It's time for a touchdown. It's time to give you something to shout about. You know what? You know what I shout about every day? I read the word of God and I shout. I I tell you what, in the prophets, I'm shouting that I didn't live in Israel back then. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, can you hurry up the one year so we can get through the prophets? (laughs) Oh no. We're going all the way to the end of the year with the prophets. There's joy. You got to admit, you got, you know, Psalm 51 verse eight says, make me hear joy and gladness. This is David, King David, after he sinned with Bathsheba and murdered her husband. And then the prophet came in and said, you're a bad guy. He said, Lord, make me hear joy and gladness again. And then in Psalm 51, he said, restore to me the joy of your salvation, Lord. Restore to me the cheerfulness, the joy of being connected with you. Man, if you lost the joy, you got to admit it. If, you just, if you're not gonna admit it, you're just gonna stay without joy. I will have joy. I will have joy. Come on now. I'm gonna get mad enough to get joy. Come on. Number two. You got to choose to get your joy back. You got to choose. It. Now, now, it's a choice. It's a choice. Now, you, you, I'm sure many of you have heard this, but if you, if you take the word joy and just use the first three letters of, of, of joy and you, you make sentences with joy, Jesus, number one, center of your life, Jesus. O is for others, serving other people, others at the forefront of your thought life. And then why coming in last is you? The thing about it is, if you will serve others and have Jesus as the center of your life, you will have joy. you understand that? We think I'm gonna have joy to get stuff. No, remember, we're not event-oriented in joy. Joy is an abiding thing. Number three, You want to start spending some time with Jesus. If in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy and there's freedom, you're going to have to start spending time in the presence of the Lord. Psalm 3 verse 3 says, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. You lift up my head, Lord. You're the one who lifts up my head. Come on now circumstances not going to lift up my head. You you know, it's funny. Some people have everything this world can offer. Good job, good home, good family, good spouse, you know, great family, good positions, you know, but there's no joy. There's no lifting of the head, but Jesus comes in. He says, let me lift up your head. You might have an old car, but Jesus will lift up your head. Your house might not be as nice as the neighbor's, but Jesus will lift up your head. You may have gone through all kinds of trouble in the last year, but Jesus will lift up your head. And you know what? Once he lifts your head up, guess what you're able to do? You're able to lift up somebody else's head. When when the Lord comforts you, you're able to comfort other people. You see, you can use your trials as something that's pushes you down and wipes you out, or you can overcome by the power of the Lord, by his grace, get the joy, and then you go tell somebody else who's going through the same thing you're going through and say, guess what? God was good for me, he's good for you. You see, instead of taking our trials and getting all defeated and depressed, if we'll overcome by the blood of Jesus, by the power of God, and then if we'll open up our eyes and see other people around us in the same situation, if we'll use what we went through to help them, it's worth it. It's not worth anything just to go through something and never, ever use it for the good of somebody else. It might also add that you need to keep it in your pocket too because you might go through the same thing again. And if he he delivered you once, he'll deliver you again. He lifts up your head. Number four is you're gonna have to experience a relational revolution. Now, some of you are not able to do this. If you're living with people who are just mean Call upon the name of the Lord, he'll give you grace. But most of you, just some of you, need to have this relational revolution. In other words, you need to quit hanging with some of the people that you're hanging with. And this is how I judge it. If I'm hanging with somebody who's pulling me away from Jesus, if I can't turn the table on and pull them to Jesus, I'm cutting them off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have contact with them to bring them to Jesus, but I'm not going to let them drag me down. So, so especially in this holiday season here, if you hang around folks that are going to make you go places, do things, act a certain way that you know Jesus would not be pleased with, you might should go ahead and sever that thing. Now, if you've got the power to go into places that are adverse to the gospel, you know what I mean, and you're able to change that, well, that's one thing, that's what Jesus did. But Jesus didn't go in there and hang with the prostitutes that he might do what prostitutes do. He changed the environment. And some of you have been hanging around people this year that, man, i tell you what, you've, you've come up on the minus side of what God wanted you to come up with. And you need to go ahead and deal with that. Number five is this. You need to give your life away. You know, if I could have the people in this congregation stand up right now and, and, and give their testimony about how this past year they've given their life away in serving other people, you'd be astonished at the joy that they have. When I talk to people who serve in this, in this place, we had the team rally this morning, all the team members. By the way, we get in here every Sunday morning before anybody else. We pray over every seat in this house. That seat you're sitting in had been prayed over. So, hey, we're believing that God's gonna do what we ask him to do to you, in you, and for you. There's no, there's no more joy than people serving other people. You see, Jesus served so I'm gonna serve. Not only that, we're gonna pray. You're gonna give your life away. Pray for others because Jesus prayed for you and is praying for you right now. Do you realize that he intercedes for you right now? Man, when I'm sitting around, you know what I mean? Nothing going on, I realize Jesus, you're praying for me. When I get in a lot of trouble, when this thing's coming down, Jesus is praying for me. What you think keeps us going is not our own strength. And then you see others' needs because Jesus is meeting your needs. Can I just, hey, I'm not even going to challenge you. I'm just going to talk to you. Would you find somebody this season? And would you just, as a family, bless somebody? Find a need. They're all over the place. Just find a need and bless a family. I mean, be proactive about it. It doesn't take much, but sacrifice something. Teach your children how to give to other people who are less fortunate, who are in trouble, and believe me, they're not in short supply. There are a lot of people all the time that are in trouble. Generosity will fuel your joy. And you know what? I'm gonna give to everybody because Jesus gave his all for me. This is a reality, folks. When you come into a reality, and you know that you know that Jesus spread his arms out on a cross and they nailed his hands and his feet to that cross. They were just murdering a Jew, but God had a whole nother plan. He was redeeming all of mankind, everybody, all at the same time, giving every individual a chance. Now watch this. You will never have consistent joy unless you possess the joy of the world. His name is Jesus. Let's bow our heads together if you don't mind. Father, I pray over every person in this room. Lord, I pray that you will give people grace in this season. That God, those, especially those among us, God, who this time of year brings back hard memories, sad times, Lord God. Father, I know that people get depressed at this time of the year. All kinds of things are happening. Father, I pray for every person in this room that is suffering from that, that Lord, you'll give them grace and that you will help them. And that through these trials, God, they will discover abiding joy, cheerfulness. Father, I just speak those words, cheer up. Cheer up in the name of Jesus. And now for you who are sitting in this room who don't know Jesus, very quickly, you know instantly whether or not you have a a vibrant relationship with him. And if you don't, the greatest Christmas present that you'll ever receive, and this is not just some cliche, is that you will accept Jesus. He is the gift from God to you today. So if you're in this room right now and you say, Pastor Van, I don't have a relationship with Jesus but I want to start one today. I don't know anything about it and you don't need to know anything other than that you are a sinner and that you are separated from God just like I was 36 and a half years ago. If that's you in this room, I just want you to do this. I'm going to pray for you right where you are and I'm not going to ask you to come up to the front of this room or anything. I'm just going to simply ask you while every head is bowed that you will just lift your hand and say, will you pray with me, Pastor Van, for Jesus to come into my life? Thank you, sir, right here. Just right here, Yes. Thank you. Over here. Yes, sir. Thank you. Over here. Yes. Thank you. Right here in the front. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Over here in the back. Thank you. You're saying, you know what? Me, I want Jesus. I'm tired of the life that I have. There's got to be something better for now and eternity. Anybody else? Shoot your hand up. If you have not yet, just put it up. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir right now. Now remember this, this is not a religious action. This is the entering of a relationship with the living God who is going to change your life. And so you want to cooperate with him on that. The apostle Paul said, I have one message. I tell people everywhere, repent of your sin, turn to your God, and put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what you're doing right now. So if you're sitting in that chair right now, and if you're already a Christian, I want you to begin to pray with us. As I pray, I want you to agree with me in this. Just agree and say, yes, Lord. Father, I just pray right now, and I thank you for hearing us. I thank you for forgiving my sin, for changing my life, for receiving me as your child, Lord, I turn to you right now as I repent of my sins and I believe that Jesus died for me, for my sin. And I thank you for redeeming me today. I thank you, Lord, come live inside of me. Change who I am today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on now.
1: If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we wanna send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today, we'll see you next time.